Welcome to the Greystone Church Podcast. We are grateful that you're here and taking time out of your day to listen and grow with God. We pray that God will speak to you and you will experience His amazing love through this message. Let's take a listen. Good morning. Y'all can have a seat. About 20 years ago, my parents, Chuck and Debbie Bridwell, gifted my family and my sister's family with an all-expense paid trip to Walt Disney World. We were super excited about this. And let me start by saying this. Chuck and Debbie Bridwell, they're the type of people that when you go on vacation, your whole day is full of activities. Like there's no sitting at the beach, all right? So full of activities. So we're all super excited. My dad rents the five bedroom house. He pays extra to have the pool heated. He's one of those because it doesn't matter that we're at the parks all day. We're all jumping in the pool at 10 p.m. in the warm pool when we get home. All right, that's how we roll. That's not how Jonathan rolls. So that's, that's been interesting, but that's how the Bridwells roll. And so it was super exciting. Jolyn at the time, our son was five. My niece Kaylee was four. My daughter Julia was three. My nephew Cade was 20 months, okay? So imagine that. We're going down um, Christmas, the day before Christmas, so Christmas Eve. So our first day at the park will be Christmas Day. So I get into research mode. This was, I think, um, 2002 is when we... Um, we went Christmas 2002. And so I am studying. I'm one of those. I plan the vacations. I study. I look at blogs. I'm like figuring out what are we going to do to make this trip the best. So I read that the most popular ride at the Magic Kingdom is the Buzz Lightyear ride. Okay? It was relatively new. So you had to get to that one first or you were going to wait in this huge line. So my mission The first day at the park is to get to Buzz Lightyear before anybody else, all right? So think about that for a minute. So we get out at the Magic Kingdom, we unload the van, we get four strollers, so four kids in strollers. Each one of the parents have a stroller. My parents are walking with us. We get to the Magic Kingdom, we get in the park. Now, if you know the Magic Kingdom, Buzz Lightyear ride is Tomorrowland. So you go all the way down Main Street, And then you veer right at the castle, and then you're in Tomorrowland. So we're lined up, each one of us, I think I have a picture of each one of us lined up with our strollers, and we are on mission to get to Buzz Lightyear. Okay, so we take off down Main Street. Now, the park has just opened. Mickey is there. Minnie is there. Cinderella, Pluto. It doesn't matter. We are getting to Buzz Lightyear before anybody else. So we are flying, and I am first one out of our pack of six adults um, getting. And we got there. We were one of the first people at Buzz Lightyear. Mission accomplished. We're out of breath, but we are there. And so as we're getting the kids out of the strollers to get in line for the ride, Jolan, who's five years old, looks up at his dad and he said, I didn't know mom liked Buzz Lightyear so much. (laughs) We laugh about that to this day. It wasn't that I liked Buzz Lightyear, but I was on a mission to get there because I knew my kids would love it. And we did love it. But isn't it funny how we can get super passionate about the craziest things? 
Today we're talking about the fifth purpose in our Purpose Driven Life book, which is you were made for a mission. And I'm super excited that I get to give this talk today. If you think about it, we're all on a mission. Many of you run companies or you work for a company. Any sports team, any nonprofit, religious organization, anybody, there is a mission for your company. Many of you have sat in meetings, whether if you're the boss, you share the mission with your employees, or if you're the employee, your boss shares the mission with you. And the purpose of the mission is that you stay on task. A few years ago, um, our elders and staff, we got to have a consultant here at the church that actually helped us review our mission, our values, what we're doing to see if we, our activities and what our focus was really aligned with our vision. And one of the, a lot of it was, but one of the things that came out of that was we needed to put more of an emphasis on discipleship. And if you've been here the last four years, you know that is our main emphasis now. Jonathan devoted time to write those books. Many of you have been through the discipleship books. So we, it was super helpful. So we're gonna spend a few minutes. I think this is fun, so just humor me. I'm gonna read um, a mission statement from a company, a popular, well-known company. And then you're gonna call out what you think that company is. And I want y'all to do that at Monroe and Oconee. And if you're sitting on your couch at home in your robe, I would like you to do that as well. So this is the first one. This is a mission statement from a popular company and I want you to guess what it is. To inspire and nurture the human spirit, one person, one cup, and one neighborhood at a time. Starbucks, very good, all right, all right. Number two, to refresh the world, to inspire moments of optimism and happiness, to create value and make a difference. Coca-Cola, someone said it. Refresh should have been the key word there. All right, we're all gonna know this one. We save people money so they can live better. Walmart, that's right. That's why we go to Walmart, to save money. There's no other reason. All right. <laughs> Number four. This one might be harder, but I think we can get it. To organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. Close. Google. Google, very good. If you think about it, just Google it. Organize information. All right. To glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that is entrusted to us to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with us. Chick-fil-A. Why don't they have chicken in that? You would think they should have chicken in that, but that's, that's Chick-fil-A. We take pride in making the best Mexican-style fast food. Taco Bell. Providing fast, friendly, and accurate service. Nacho fries, I heard that. All right, bring, here we go, a couple more. Bringing the best user experience to its customers through innovative hardware, software, and services. Apple, very good. To accelerate the advent of sustainable transport by bringing compelling mass market electric cars to the market as soon as possible. Tesla, very good. Give yourselves a big hand. Very good, thank you. Now, in honor of the Super Bowl today, I'm going to read the mission statements of each team, and I'm gonna tell you what they are, but the first one, the Eagles. 
Any fans? I see a few jerseys. The Philadelphia Eagles strives to win football games for our fans, along with being highly dedicated to giving back to our community who has supported us since 1933. And then the Chiefs, any Chiefs? All right. Win with character, unite our community, inspire our fans, and honor tradition. So both of these stellar football teams have the same mission to win football games. Okay, they have the same mission to win football games. Everything they do leading up to the Super Bowl, who they draft, who they hire as coaches, how they, who their trainer is, all of those things center around the mission of winning the Super Bowl. Now, a mission statement, guys, policies, decisions, goals, how money is spent, all of those things. I came across this next organization about a year ago, and I was fascinated about it. I watched a whole show about it, and I wanted to read their mission statement, and then we're going to watch a little video. We are driven by this goal to make baseball fun and ultimately give fans the best possible experience at our ballpark. We call this Fans First. So let's watch their video. This is the greatest show in sports. Every single game has been a sellout. It's better than any sporting event I've ever been to. Major League Baseball is not quite anything like this. One team down south is taking the sport by storm. The Savannah Bananas. Savannah Bananas. Savannah Bananas. The Savannah Bananas. Savannah Bananas. The Savannah Bananas. The Savannah Bananas are a baseball team with one goal, to make baseball fun. We're not in the baseball business. We're in the entertainment business. to be the greatest show in sports. Bananas fans, thank you so much for your support. We love you guys, and Banana Nation, we'll see you soon. Isn't that awesome? So after I watched the video, I'm like, I want to go. You cannot get a ticket to the Savannah Bananas. You can't get it in Savannah, and they're on the road. You can't get it anywhere. They're sold out. They have made it their mission to make baseball fun, and they've done it. And just like the Savannah Bananas, like you watch them, you know what their mission is. We're supposed to have, the, when people look at us, they should know exactly what we're all about. They should know our mission. I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that God is the originator of the mission statement. He created the world, and upon creation, he said, your mission is to be fruitful and multiply. And they did. And then fast forward um, hundred years, hundreds of years, the Israelites, God's people, they were let out of slavery from the Egyptians and he gave them a new mission. He gave them the 10 commandments and then he summed it all up into this. Deuteronomy 6, 5 says, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. That was the core of what God's mission for his people was. And he knew that if they loved him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, that they would stay on the path that he had for them. 
Now you're gonna love reading the Purpose Driven Life book this week. Um, This week is all about the fifth statement made for a mission. So you're gonna wake up tomorrow morning and you're gonna read, you are made for a mission. God is at work in the world and he wants you to join him. So we all have this universal mission. We're to join God in his work. And Jesus gave us exactly what that is. We can look it up in Matthew 28. So Jesus had come to the earth. He had lived a perfect life. He had called his disciples. He had done miracles. He had preached about eternal life. He had been crucified on the cross. He was raised on the third day. And for 40 days, he appeared to people And then he's going up to heaven to spend eternity with God in heaven. And he gives his followers, if you can imagine, there's just a few hundred of them. A few hundred followers. He gives them this mission. And this is called the Great Commission found in Matthew 28. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So this was God's plan to get the word out. These few hundred people, it's your job to make disciples. And they did it. It's why we're here today, because they fulfilled their mission. They stayed on course. Many of them we know were martyred for their faith, but they stayed on mission to spread the good news about Jesus. So as Christians, we all have the same universal mission statement. Jesus commissioned those disciples, and he's commissioning us today. We're to go into the world and make disciples. We're supposed to tell people about Jesus. I would imagine we're all receiving this a little bit differently today. Some of you are still on your faith journey and you don't even know what it really means to be a Christian and whether you wanna do that or not. Others of you are like me. You've been a Christian a long time and you have been on mission for God for a long time. So this is gonna be a reaffirming of what your mission is. And others of you, you're new to your faith and you wanna be on mission for God and you just wanna learn exactly what that is. But no matter where you are, this message is for you today. I wanna start out by saying this. God's primary mission for you is not to be happy. I'm sorry to say that, but he created you to live for eternity. And when you live for God, you have joy and you have contentment and all those things, but it's not all about you being happy. It's popular today in many Christian books and seminars that it's all about you. Better your own life. If you live a moral, God-fearing life, you'll be blessed, happy, and problem I know that sounds good, but that's a really self-centered approach to God. And it's not at all what he he intended for his people. And if you believe in this health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, you're gonna be wrecked when bad things happen. And bad things are gonna happen. I'm gonna read that. God came And Jesus will give us comfort and guidance and he will bless us, but we are gonna have hard times. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 13 says this, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. 
Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. There's another verse in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10 that says, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side with troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. And then Jesus himself, the night before he was crucified, he's meeting with his disciples in the garden and he says these words in John 16, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. As I look around this room and I think about our people in the Monroe campus and the Oconee campus, I know some of the troubles you have gone through and the trials, and it has really blown me away how you have walked with Jesus and you have stayed on course during those difficult times. We're gonna face these difficult circumstances and we've gotta be rooted in Christ so we don't get off mission even in those difficult times. One of Rick Warren's famous lines is that God never wastes a hurt. You read that in the book this past week and you'll hear it when he preaches his sermons, but I clearly believe it. He uses everything we go through for our purposes here on earth. Will you join him in his work? I think about Clancy, who's sitting up here in the front at Loganville, and he's been a member here for a while, and he loves Jesus, and um, about three years ago, his son, two years ago, um, two and a half years ago, his son Isaiah, who was a freshman in college, many of you know this, but he was in a horrific car accident that left 80% of his body with third and fourth degree burns. We didn't know if he would survive, They ended up at the Augusta Burn Center for months. And Jonathan and I showed up at the hospital, many of you did as well, and I'm not exaggerating here. In the most trying time of their lives, Clancy was on mission for God. They didn't even know if Isaiah would survive. But he looked at us and he said, God is gonna get us through this, And I am on mission. Every family that comes into this waiting room, I'm gonna share with them the love of Jesus. And he did it. We we won't even know till heaven the impact that Clancy and his kids had on the other people in the waiting room and that Isaiah's life, and Isaiah is a miracle of God and we're so grateful. He's been through so many surgeries. He's still recovering But they did not use that devastating experience to get them off course. They are on course and on mission for God. And that is so inspiring to me and so many others. Another example is um, my mom and dad. And many of you know their story. Um, But two years ago, my dad was in the hospital. He had Guillain-Barre syndrome, which 
paralyzes your body. So he was in the hospital, paralyzed from the waist down. And we had so many trials, but this one particular instance, he was in the inpatient rehab unit. And this was, if you remember, this was during COVID. Hospital visitation was weird. He had a roommate in the inpatient. We were so disappointed that he had a roommate because when we did get to visit, there's a roommate. It was very, very challenging. But my dad made it his mission to stay on mission. So he got to know his roommate, Joe. They spent time together. They talked. Joe was recovering from a stroke. And um, on Sunday morning, my dad did what he always did. He went to church, but it was on his computer. So he watches his church service. And Joe, obviously, the room's small. He's participating in the church service. And at the end of the sermon, Joe prays to receive Christ. And my dad gets to talk to him about it. And they begin a friendship. Well, they part ways, but keep in touch. And a few months later, Joe's daughter called to let my dad know that Joe had passed away. But we know that we'll be reunited with him in heaven. My dad stayed on course in the most difficult time in his life. He remembered that he was made for a mission. And there's so many other stories. I could go on and on about so many of you who have been resilient in trial. I pray we can all follow these examples. So this week in our readings, we're gonna learn about the difference between a worldly Christian and a world-class Christian. And you're gonna really enjoy seeing the difference in those. Worldly Christians look to God for personal fulfillment. They are saved but self-centered. It is all about their personal happiness, betterment, and comfort. In contrast, world-class Christians, they know they were saved to serve and made for a mission. I love that. God saved you so that you can serve and you were made for a mission. There's nothing more fulfilling in life than being on mission for God and allowing him to use your life for an eternal impact. Here's some questions you might have about knowing what God's mission is for your life. Ultimately, we can sum up God's mission is we're to know God and make God known. Or we're to love God and love people. You can look at most, I haven't done this, but you could look at a lot of evangelical churches and their mission statement would say these words in some way. We're all about knowing God, making God known, loving God, loving people. And we get that from Jesus telling the religious leader. The religious leader kind of tries to trap him and says, what is the greatest commandment? And he says in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your mind. Remember that was back Deuteronomy 6, 5. And then the second part, this is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. So if we break this mission down into two parts, the first part is we know God. We love God. So how do you know God? Y'all are doing it today. You come to church. You hear the word taught. You join small group. 
You have a daily time with God. You have prayer time. You listen to um, podcasts on sermons, all of those different things. You know God by spending time with him, okay? The second part is what I'm gonna focus today on. We're to make God known. And that is why you're still on the earth, Have you ever thought about that? If heaven's so much better, why am I still here? Because your job, what God wants to use you is to serve people and help him be known to other people. He wants to use you. We exist to serve the Lord. So what are some potential assignments? One of them is getting baptized. You make God known by getting baptized. That's part of the Great Commission too. So if you haven't been baptized since your life truly changed, that is an assignment that you have, is to get baptized. Another thing, I have been a Christian since I was nine years old. I'll never take for granted the godly heritage that my parents have, and they raised me and my sister to love the church, to love God, to obey him, Godly values, all of those things. So if you are a parent and you have kids living at your home, your mission is to help your children know God. How do you do it? You get them to church. You talk to them about Christian things. In the um, Old Testament, it actually tells us how you do it. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9 says this. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you are getting up. Tie them on your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gate. So if you're a parent, your assignment is to help your children know, love, and obey God. The second thing, assignment that you might get to share the good news with a neighbor or a friend or a coworker by inviting them to church, small group, or sharing your testimony with them. Your testimony is simply your story, how you became a Christian, how your life was before Christ, how you came to know Christ in your life since, the difference God has made in your life Another assignment the Lord might give you is to serve at a local food bank, the Athens Pregnancy Center, any ministry outside the walls of the church that helps people. Another assignment the Lord might give you is to go on a mission trip. Um, We have a a couple coming up. There's gonna be a meeting immediately after the 11 o'clock service at all the campuses um, for just a few minutes about the the two mission trips coming up that we're doing. Um, But there's also, you can get involved in orphan ministry. There's so many ways, foster care. There's so many ways, assignments that God might give you. Another way, assignment, the Lord might call you to support a child with compassion or to support a ministry that is doing the work of Jesus to get the word out There's another way, and that's sharing the love of Jesus with others at a hospital or a nursing home. Actually, this week, I was at the hospital with my mom for a couple days, and I had to remember this, because when you're at the hospital caring for a loved one, 
a lot of times it's stressful and I'm a control freak, so I'm wanting to make things happen. And I had to remember, I'd already written the sermon too. I'm like, oh gosh, I have to apply this. But I'm on mission from God no matter where I am. So I really tried, okay, God, help me be on mission for you. So the people I was interacting with, I was trying to love them, but also share with them about the miracles God had done in our lives and in my parents' life. I tried to keep that um, on mission. And another thing is stopping to pray. Say your neighbor shares with you or your coworker shares a problem or a crisis that they're having. Y'all are gonna think I'm weird, but you can do it. You say, hey, can I pray with you right now? And they're gonna say, yes, absolutely. And then your prayer is as simple as this. Dear God, I pray for my neighbor, Tracy. I pray that you would comfort her right now as she's dealing with the loss of her loved one. I pray that you would give her strength and hope. In Jesus' name, amen. It's as simple as that. And that makes the world of difference. And it might open up your neighbor's heart to what it means to follow Jesus. Sometimes your assignment is small and sometimes it's a big one. If God is calling you to do it, he will provide what you need. He'll provide direction, mental clarity, intelligence. He'll provide finances. He'll give you wisdom. I think of so many people here, and I love seeing how God is using you. Some of you quit your corporate jobs to start a nonprofit, and it seemed crazy, but God was calling you to do it, and you did it. Some of you quit your corporate job to go into full-time Christian ministry when it didn't make sense because it cut your salary in thirds. Others of you have used tragic circumstances, the pain of seeing your adult children rebel and you started a ministry to love on other people in that same circumstance. God is using you, you are on mission for him. Others of you have given your addictions, your hurts, habits, and hangups over to the Lord, and you have gotten freedom, and you are recovering from that, and now you're leaders in our Celebrate Recovery ministry that's having an impact with others. God is using you through your difficult circumstances, and it's just amazing. You probably didn't feel ready or equipped. You didn't know all the answers, but you stepped out in faith and you were obedient. And there is nothing like being used by God. There is nothing like it. Practically, what can you do? So we're gonna sum it up today. What can you do to become a world-class Christian? And I'm just gonna tell it like it is. I think it's in the book, so Rick Warren actually said it. But quit being self-centered. It's not all about you. And I'm speaking to myself here, too. Quit being self-centered. It's about God. When you're with people, think about them. Think about in your mind and say a little prayer. How can I minister to this person in front of me today? Now, y'all, I have failed I have a really embarrassing story. My discipleship group knows it. But one time, it was during COVID, and I needed to get a prescription, and I was at Kroger, and they even had a sign, we are understaffed, don't get upset with us, something like that. Well, I got upset. And then I sat down, and I, the guy next to me was like, like consoling me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I didn't live it out today. And I asked God to forgive me. I asked the girl at the counter to forgive me. So we're gonna mess up sometimes. But you can um, 
anyone in front of you, you can ask God to help you love them, help them see what they need. And if the person's a non-Christian, say, God, what might they need that I could help them with that would bring them into a relationship with you? This is a really cool story. It happened this Thursday night. Jonathan and I were at an event and we, we sat down at a table where we didn't know everybody at the table. And so we were introduced as the pastors of Greystone Church. So a couple next to us that we didn't know, they looked at us and said, so you serve at Greystone Church? Yes, do you know and I always panic because I'm like, what if I'm supposed to know them and I don't or whatever? But I smiled and they said, do you know Tamara Martin? And I smiled because I love Tamara Martin. And I said, yes, she's in my discipleship group. They've been at the church since our girls played t-ball together 20 years ago. They helped us start the church. And he said, well, I work with her. And then he went on to say, and about once a week, I go into her office and I shut the door because I have a problem. And she ministers to me and she talks to me and we talk about spiritual things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And in, in the back of my head, I know that at times Tamara has questioned, am I at the right place? Am I where God wants me to be? And I'm kind of smiling because I'm like, she's exactly where she's supposed to be. And then he said, it's not just me, but all throughout the day, I'll look in her office and so many of our coworkers go in there, shut the door, and they ask her for help. She's like our mama there. And I just smiled. Tamara Martin is on mission for God at work. He sends people your way and he gives you opportunities to love people. And when I texted her and asked her permission, can I share this story? She's like, I didn't even know I was having an impact. Well, Tamara Martin, you're having an impact. And I got to hear it. And I was so grateful that I got to hear that. Another thing that you can do to become a world-class Christian is to begin to think globally. It's funny, we're... And it's not strange, we're in America, so we think about all things American. If you ever go on a mission trip, you realize that God also speaks Spanish, and he speaks Portuguese, and whatever other language, um, but God is not an American God. And in fact, he wants all nations, and all nations will be represented in heaven. There's a verse in Revelation that talks about that. He said in Revelation 21, 24, the nations will walk in its light and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day because there is no night there. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. So how do you begin to think globally? You can begin praying for other countries. There are some tribes, I think there's still 2,000 people groups that have never heard the gospel. So you can begin praying for these. Another thing, you can pray for people that are on the mission field. I've actually listed on our talk notes um, some of the missionaries that Greystone partners with. You could take a name a day or maybe you commit one day a week to your prayer time to praying for these missionaries, that they would be renewed, that God would provide for them financially, that they would impact many people for Christ. Another thing would be to go on a mission trip. Instead of family vacation, take your kids on a family mission trip. You can do it. The third way that you can 
become a world-class Christian is to begin to think about life with eternity in mind. Prioritize activities in your schedule that are gonna fulfill the Great Commission to know God and make God known. An example would be Wednesday night or Sunday night, whenever it's youth group, you make sure your kid is there and you take their friends and the kids on their ball team and your neighbors. Our student pastor at our Oconee campus, Colton, his family didn't go to church, but our son, Jolan, invited him to Greystone and he became a Christian in the ninth grade and he's in full-time Christian ministry now. Prioritize activities that get your kids involved, get you involved. Jesus told us to store up treasures in heaven. What does this mean? To use your money to help further the gospel. Give financially to things that build up God's kingdom. Your reward will be in heaven. And the last thing is quit making excuses. If you're not on mission for God, it's because you've chosen not to be. There's, there's no other way to say it. And maybe today it's like an aha moment. Oh, I'm supposed to be on mission for God. How do I do that? I'm gonna wrap up by saying this. Each morning when you get up or when you get in the car to drive to work or when you're cooking or when you're drinking that first pot, cup of coffee, pot. I, I drink half a pot, Jonathan drinks half a pot. But you make a decision to get on board with God's mission for your life and you pray a prayer like this. This will revolutionize your life. Lord, help me to see you at work around me. So God, open my eyes to see where you're working and show me where you want me to join you in your work. Lord, help me to see where you're working in the world around me and help me join you in your work. Let's pray. Dear God, we're so grateful for how much you love us. God, and you love us so much and you forgave us for our sins. God, and you gave us eternal life. And you give us the privilege of partnering with you in your work in the world. God, I'm so grateful for the many people who have had an impact in their neighborhoods, their schools, their lives. So many people through their tragedy have turned to you and they've seen many people impacted because of that. God, I pray that each one of us would quit being self-centered and get on mission with what you have for our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more messages or info on Greystone Church, feel free to go to our website, greystonechurch.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We look forward to connecting with you. We hope you have an amazing day and we'll catch you next week.